You may be seated. Let me encourage you this morning to find the sermon notes. It looks like this. It has the blue column on the side. You can follow along as we go. More importantly, talk about this, uh, not during the sermon, but later, maybe during lunch, maybe during the football game, if the Bears are getting blown out. You know, you can talk about it then, because that's what families should do. So there was a young couple. They had been married for a while. It was time now to to do some remodeling. We all have to go through that from time to time, and they were going to, to redo their entire kitchen. So they were getting rid of all their old appliances, and they wondered what to do with them, and they thought, well, the wife thought my parents could use some of them, at least the refrigerator, so they had the refrigerator shipped to her parents. A couple days later, after they got it, she got a text message from her mom, and she, she asked, you know, what, what is this all about? What's the refrigerator for? And the text went back, well, we, we redid the whole kitchen, and so this is a gift. It's a gift to you. Please accept the refrigerator. Text came back from mom. Well, you know, honey, you could have sold it for a lot more money. Why didn't you do that? Text comes back from the daughter. Well, mom, it, it's a gift. Okay, it's, it's a gift. Consider it a repayment for all that you did for me growing up. We're just grateful for you as parents. And then the text comes back. Well, in that case, it is not nearly enough, right? That's how it is as parents. You know, it's been said that there is pain first in bearing the child, especially for the mothers, and then there is greater pain in raising the child up. It's one thing to bear the child. It's a whole nother thing to rear the child. And as they get older, it gets harder. When they're little, they don't move much, right? You can kind of keep them under control. And you've got a good eye on them, but then they get a little older. They get to be more independent. Then they start moving around. Then they get to be teenagers, and that's a whole other thing as well. So in previous generations, I think we would take the advice of Mark Twain. Have you ever heard this? Mark Twain, he once said, when your children get to be 13, so they're just getting into the teenage years, when they get to be 13, put them in a barrel. Put the lid on top. Feed them through the knot hole. What do you think? Pretty extreme? And then, he says, when they turn 16, close the knot hole. So, you know, that's the way that we're tempted if you've had teenagers. Children at all, it is difficult, and sometimes we wonder what to do. So today we're going to talk about bridging this gap, whatever age of your children, especially for teenagers. The good news is that God gives us the foundation. We're going to go through that this morning, these three things, where if we build on this foundation, teaching our children the right message, teaching our children in the right manner, and teaching children the right master how the generation gap can then be lessened and how our children can then turn out the way that they are intended, which is to be a, please, a pleasure to not only us, but to God. So let's begin here. Teach children the right message. Paul writes, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Children, obey your parents. It begins right there. Now, parents, I don't know if you've ever noticed this. Children tend not to obey. Have you ever noticed that? 
They tend not to obey. Therefore, they must be trained. Solomon wrote, train up your child in the way he or she should go. So they will not depart from it. And we begin as early as possible. From the time of birth, we begin training them because obedience is not something that we naturally do. Now, we know that from the Bible. But we also know that from our experience, don't we? And we know that from our intuition. In fact, the culture knows this. I'm going to read to you. This is not from the Bible. This is from another source. This is the Minnesota Crime Commission. All right, Minnesota Crime Commission. They did a report on crime, and I'm going to quote it. This is what they wrote. Every baby starts life as a little savage. He, she is completely selfish and self-centered. He wants when he wants when he wants it. Have you ever said that about your children? They want what they want when they want it. His bottle, his mother's attention, his playmate's toys, his uncle's watch, or whatever. Deny him these, and he sees with rage and aggressiveness, which would be murderous were he not so helpless. He's dirty, he has no morals, no knowledge, no developed skills. This means that all children, not just certain children, but all children, the report says are delinquent. If permitted to continue in their self-centered world of infancy, given free reign to their impulsive actions, if they're permitted to continue to satisfy each one, every child would grow up a criminal, a thief, a killer, a rapist. End of quote. Minnesota Crime Commission says what the Bible says, that we are all sinful, and that Given to our own inclinations, we do nothing but evil. We must train our children then to be obedient. Train them up in the way they should go, because if we don't, they're going to go the way they shouldn't go. That's just the way human nature is. So kids, again, talking to you. Mrs. Gilliland did a wonderful job uh, packing her mother's lunch today, because moms know best. We are to be as children. You are to be as children. You are to be obedient and do what mom and dad tell you. Now, notice, however, the next point, that this is not just for the sake of the parents. This is not just to make our lives easier. Obey us, because that makes our life easier. This is required by God. It is for God's sake. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Which means that it pleases him when children are obedient. Just like citizens should obey the laws of the government. Citizens should obey police officers. Students should obey teachers. Employees should obey their boss. Students or children should obey their Parents, because when you don't, when you rebel, it is the same as rebelling against God. So first of all, we do what is required. Obedience. But we also need to do what is right. Teach our children what is right. So how do you do that? Really four things. Number one, 
Teach your children the difference, because there is a difference between right and wrong. How do you know? God tells you. Where does he tell you? In the Bible. And so parents, it's your job, not the government, not the school, not even the church, not even me as pastor. It is your job to know what God has to say. This is right. This is wrong. Do the right, not the wrong. And if you do the wrong, teach your children that there are consequences. Now I'm going to say something really harsh right now, and that is this. Parents, if you are not going to teach your children to be obedient to God and to you, then don't have children. It is better to have no children than to have bad children. Now, if you already have children and they're bad, just please keep them at home, would you? It's our job as parents to teach our children to be obedient and to teach them the difference between right and wrong. Now, there is a difference between obedience, obeying our parents, and honoring our parents. Paul goes on to say this, honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment with a promise. So we know the Ten Commandments. We get to number four. So after... We love God above anything else. Have no idols. Remember the Sabbath day. Number four is honor your father and mother. Now this one has a promise and it is this, that it may be well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now it doesn't promise long life. It it promises enjoyment of the life that we have. I mean, who wants to live a long life if it's going to be miserable? And especially if it's our children who make us miserable. Now, the blessing here goes both ways. Certainly it blesses us as parents if our children are honoring us, but it also blesses you as children as well. Now, the difference between the two is obedience is outward, honoring is inward. Obedience is an action, and honoring is an attitude. So, parents, would you agree with me that sometimes your kids obey you and they don't really want to? Does that ever happen? I can remember many times when I was a teenager, I obeyed my father, but I wasn't happy about it. It reminds me of the little cartoon where you have a little boy, he's sitting in a chair, sitting down, he's being disciplined by his mother. Mom says, go, Billy, go sit in that chair. And so he does. Later on, mom goes to check on little Billy, family circus. How's it going? Have you learned your lesson? What does Billy say? The caption is, he's supposed to be sitting, which he is. And he says, yeah, mom, I'm sitting on the, inside, on the outside, but I am standing on the inside, right? That's his attitude. He's obedient, but he's not honoring. And yet, children, we are called to honor our parents. So, first of all, teach children the right message. Secondly, teach children in the right manner. Fathers, Paul says, do not exasperate your children. So what does that mean? To exasperate. It means don't discourage them in the way that you teach them, in the way that you train them. 
So all parents, dads especially, model what you teach. Now, here's another source for you. This is not in the Bible. This comes from a book. Mistakes parents make with teenagers. Those of you with teenagers, raise your hand if you've ever made a mistake. Yep, I can raise both. We all make mistakes. So go read the book. If you don't have teenagers yet, don't make the same mistakes the rest of us did. Now there's a whole long list. It is exhaustive. You can read the whole book. I'm going to give you four. See if you've ever made these mistakes. Number one, failure to be a consistent model. Have you ever said these words? Do as I say, not as I do. We probably all said that. We know what the right answer is. Do not do as I say, or do as I say, not as I do. Number two, failure to give an honest answer to an honest question. Have you ever said this? You have to have the right posture. Because I said so. That's why. Children are called to be obedient. And yet we need to help them understand why we have them do what they do. Here's another one. Failure to communicate approval. Can you imagine a dad or a mom, either one, a parent, saying to their children, can't you do anything right? Imagine how deflating and discouraging that can be. And then this one, we've all done from time to time, the failure to take enough time with our children. I don't have time right now. I'm kind of busy. I don't have time right now. I'm kind of busy. I don't have time right now. I'm kind of busy. But then if you never make that time later, you see the way that we teach is just as important as what we teach. Being positive and encouraging in our directive. And then also, Paul reminds us that we are to teach children the right master. He says, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. We used to say training and admonition. Training just, or admonition just means instruction. So this discipline or Disciple, notice the word there in your bulletin. It's not just discipline, but it is disciple. Where does that come from? Disciple? Great commission? Jesus had, what, 12 disciples? They were to go and share the good news of Jesus throughout the whole world. They were to teach what Jesus taught them. They were to model what Jesus had given to them. And that's what we are to do with our children Not just punish them when they're wrong, but discipline them, which means to correct and show them what is right. Model the way that they should go. Parents, as you teach your children, think of all the suffering and the sorrow and the sins that you can prevent so they don't have to go through the same troubles that you often have. And children, 
Imagine how much better your life can be if you avoid all of those mistakes that your parents have already made. Bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Now finally, know this, you cannot impart what you do not possess. You cannot impart what you do not possess. In other words, if the word of God does not reside in you, if the love of God does not reside in you, you can't give that to your children. And so we begin with the word of God. We put that in the hands of our children. That's why we have Sunday school. That's why we have children's Bibles. That's why we have instruction in confirmation. But we want the word not just to be here, but to be in here. And so we have devotions at home. We pray together as a family. We talk about the message. We read the Bible on our own. Consider how many hours there are in this whole process from infancy to maturity. Now, as a parent, you will most likely parent for your entire life. You want your children to be obedient and honoring you their entire life. At least honoring, if not the obedience part. Because when my children get married, they no longer have to obey me. They should obey their wife, right? But think of all those hours. Now, someone's done the math. You can do it in your head or you can go home and do it on on paper. Someone has suggested that there are about 116 thousand hours, waking hours, so about 16, 18, whatever hours a day, 16 hours a day, from now till about 18 or 20 years old, 116,000 hours. How many of those hours would we spend in church? Well, let's just see. Let's just do the math. Let's say that you're mature at the age of 20. Let's say that you go regularly to church 50 Sundays a year. We'll give you two weeks off for vacation, all right? Just do the simple math. What's 20 times 50? Anybody? Shout it out. It's 1,000. 1,000 hours. You've got 116,000 waking hours between the time your kids are born and they're mature. 116,000. Only 1,000 is spent here. That's all the influence I get on you. Now they have to go to school, right? Public school, private school, home school, Christian school. Again, the math is about 15,000 hours. So the influence of school compared to church is about 15 to 1. Now what's left? Again, if you do the math, we've used up about 16,000 hours. We said there's about 116,000 hours total. Someone do the math. What's left? About 100,000 You, as parents, are in control of that other 100,000 hours. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to instill the Word of God into their hearts in those 100,000 hours? All right, end of message. Is anybody uh, discouraged yet? It is an insurmountable task, isn't it? to parent our children in a godly way so that they turn out the way God intends. Now, the good news is this, and it's written right in your notes so that we do not forget it. I'm going to read it 
for you. If you feel discouraged, which you might, or even defeated, which you might as a parent, because of this incredibly difficult task of bringing a child into the world and then bringing them up to be godly children, know that the greatest gap in the history of the world is not the generation gap between a parent and a child, not between you and your children, not between you and your parents. The greatest was the degeneration gap between sinful humans, you and me, and holy God, the eternal Father. And yet Jesus has bridged that gap. First, with his perfect life, because you and I could never measure up because God the Father requires perfection. And that's exactly what Jesus has done. He has been obedient and honored his Father in every single way, doing his will. And then also dying on the cross, the sacrifice for you and for me, so that we can have forgiveness, and not just the pardon of God, but the love of God. And that goes with us every step of the way, all through this life and for all of eternity. The gap between God and you has been closed by the cross of Jesus Christ. Not only that, he gives you the power and the tools to continue to encourage your children, teach them what is right in the right manner and to follow the right master, which will lead them to every blessing of body and soul. So don't be discouraged. No matter how many mistakes you might have made, no matter how late in the game you think it is, you have a God who loves you and your children. We don't know how our children are going to turn out. There is no guarantee, and yet God promises that he'll be there with us now and forever. Teach your children, trust, and obey the word of God, and just see how well they turn out. Amen? Amen. As we've already made our profession of faith this morning through the word, the words of the Apostles' Creed, and we've also prayed the Lord's Prayer. We're going to continue uh, with our prayers.